Hello, and welcome to another Win Daily Sports Show. My name is Michael Raziel. I have the amazing, the wonderful, the incredible Katrina Gazarian here with me today. We're going to be talking about her, her career, her non-existent basketball career, but we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. Katrina is the CEO of Game Day HR. She's a podcast host. HR sucks. Make sure to look that up on all the fun places you love to listen. She also has a live LinkedIn show, The Playbook Live, and she is a future owner of an NBA franchise. Katrina, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I love the sound of that, by the way. Right? It just sounds what? so like determined. Like it's just a, it's discerned. I love Declare it. Declare it. Declare it. I read my affirmations every morning. Um, I've now recently changed those to declarations because okay. that shit is going to happen and it's already happening, which we're very excited about. So just put it out there, right? Speak that shit into existence. See what happens. It's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. And I'm excited. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Kind of how do you do that, right? We've seen Gary V kind of over the last, I don't know, however many years. We're, we're, I believe he's going to own the Jets one day. Maybe I'm the sucker. Maybe he is. I don't know, but I'm excited to see the journey. So I'm excited to see yours as well. But the first question outside of how are you, I like to ask everybody on the Win Daily Sports Show is, what's your Win Daily mindset? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if this sounds cliche, but I have a morning routine that I'm very disciplined on. And it's not just a Monday through Friday routine. It's a seven day a week routine. And it's not very complicated. Um, it starts with reading. I always want to learn. I want to put learning and new information into my mind as soon as I wake up. Um, so I'll read uh, at least 30 minutes, usually comes out to a chapter or 10, 15 pages, depending on the book. Um, I then plan out my day. And so I put, you know, some hard tasks on my list and make sure that those tasks are translated from my planner to my task list that I use digitally online. Um, I then journal and, and kind of do a brain dump. It's not, there's really no topic or, or there's really nothing specific that I'm writing about. It's just maybe something from the book sparked me to want to write something, or I have something on my mind or a dream that I had. And so I just do a quick brain dump. I then do some stretches. I meditate and then I work out for at least 30 minutes after that. And that is my whole morning routine. I wake up about 530 in the morning and I'm usually prepared, you know, for any meetings by 9, 930. That is fantastic. The stretching part is probably my favorite. Um, I love right. stretching. Get a nice downward dog in. Get that real oh that's fantastic i also have like hip problems already at 29 same. So no no great. no same that's exactly why i stretch is because i have what chiropractors which i thought was like scoliosis but it was actually like a tilted pelvis and oh. it, it uh, yeah and any type of over like any racking of any weight that comes on my shoulders really aggravates it and so in the morning i try to really stretch my hips and open up my hip flexors and i just have a better day because of it mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah, the days that I don't stretch in the morning, I'm usually a little crankier uh, than the ones that I do. So I always try and do that as well. I do love that, though. Morning routines are very important, I think. And as you said, it's not five days a week, it's seven days a week, because Saturday and Sunday are days too, right? You want to be good, you want to be going. Do you still work, wake up at 530 on Saturdays and Sundays? Um, it's probably, I think my body just wakes up at this point, um, no matter what time I go to bed, it's just up. So I'll have a nap later, obviously, if I went to bed extremely late. Um, but for the most part, yeah, six, maybe six, the latest. It also, yeah. you know, I know, um, most people don't talk about this in their morning routine, but like I have to poop 
So hmm. I have to get out of bed. That was your thing. I respect the hell out of that. Yeah, that's true. I usually let the coffee do that for me, but um, yeah. I respect that. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do, girl. We're all humans. It's really not that crazy. You so. know, you're like you're sitting there laying in bed. You're just like, you're not going to yeah. fall back asleep until nope. you get up and exactly. get it done. Exactly. That's that's 100 percent true. I love it. We're off to a grand old start here, Katrina. I'm having <laughs> off a, to a so, shitty start. Oh. <laughs> I was voted funniest in fifth grade in case you didn't see that. I, I on did my LinkedIn. see that on LinkedIn. Yes, make sure to go follow Katrina on LinkedIn, everybody. Katrina Gazarian. I can't spell your last name, neither can you, but I'm sure a quick Google search will get you where you need to go. Um, CEO of Game Day HR, which I'm very excited to talk about because I mean, I don't really even know what HR is. I, do you even know what HR is? Don't answer that question. We'll get there. But I do want to start at the beginning of the story. Let's go back in time. Let's hop into our time machine a little bit, go back to the past. All right, cool, we're there. No, it's cool. They had to happen. They got you where you are today. You're grateful for them, and I know that. So I heard you're pretty bad at basketball, but you really, really love it. I was... Um, (laughs) What's it like kind of accepting that fate? Like, what is it like to... What was the day? Tell me the day. Tell me the time. What you remember of just being like, damn, I'm not very good at this. I don't think this is for me anymore. Yeah. I mean, I always loved basketball, but I didn't, I wasn't, you know, um, raised in an environment that really wanted to Mm. encourage that talent. Um, and so I was good enough to make the team obviously in high school, but I didn't really get a lot of playing time. I Mm. went to a high school where, um, I was considered one of the taller, uh, kids at like five, six. And so I was playing like a power forward or a center against, you know, other girls at other schools who were head and shoulders taller than mm-hmm. me. And so I was just bad and I didn't have the agility to be a guard or a point guard. And so I sat the bench a lot and I always felt like I wanted to contribute in some way. And so I, oh, even though I was on the bench, I paid attention to the entire game. Um, I always tried to guess what the coach was going to do or they, you know, was he going to call a timeout? Where was the breakdown in the defense? Where was the breakdown in the offense? And so I really tried to be learn the cerebral part, the IQ part of basketball. So I couldn't, I, I couldn't physically do a lot of the things that you're supposed to do. Um, but from an IQ standpoint, I understood what needed to happen and where everybody was supposed to be. And so at some point, I believe it was like my junior year, I started working. I realized I'm not gonna get a basketball scholarship of any kind, might as well make some money. Um so I really dedicate, I was working full time by the time I was in a senior. So I, was, I would go to school. I had enough credits to only take four classes my senior year. And then I would work from 4 p.m. to midnight. Um, wow. So I was working about 40 hours uh, by the when I was 17 and um, turning 18. And a couple of years after that, my coach, who was my high school coach, approached me and asked if I wanted to help him coach a high school team at another school. And so I finally got to activate that part of basketball that I've always wanted to activate. And I went all in, um, you know, they, it was a, it's a smaller private school. It's an all girls school. Um, they barely had enough girls trying out for the, there basically was no cuts. There were no Mm -hmm. cuts happening whatsoever. Um, my first season. And so I had to, I kept all 12, I think it was for that year. Um, and, you know, I, I had a great time. There were, there were some learning curves, obviously like you can't say shit or fuck at private school because mm. they're paying all this money for you yeah. not to cuss. Um, I would say things like, Oh, you're out of shape. And they would kind of interpret it as me calling them fat. And so I had to navigate through those communication strategies. Also, 
you're not allowed to practice during finals week uh, because they really want them to focus mm -hmm. on their academics. And so I, you know, just a completely different environment than what I was used to in a public school um, and a non-affluent public school. Mm. And so, but I went in, I, I, I figured out like how to get to them. How do I get these girls to care? How do I get them to want to get better every single day? How can I, you know, be kind of authoritative when I need to, but also let them see the human kind of fun side of me as well. Um, and, and, and uh, I guess you could say achieve the liked and respected mm -hmm, mm -hmm. philosophy, right? So then, you know, we had a great season. Um, we, I think we were third that first season out of six teams in the league or seven teams. And then the following season, I had too many people try out. So it was the first year I actually had to cut girls um, from the team or from tryouts. And we ended up winning a league championship that year. Yeah. Um, and, and at the, around the same time I was being recruited to become an official. And so I started officiating basketball. I was hired into college my second year. Um, and I was doing both for about a season or two. I had a kid in there somewhere and it just got too hard. Yeah. It was a little difficult to travel and coach and referee. And so I had, I ended up putting it all away at some point and really focusing on my uh, business career and, you know, starting game day HR. Damn. I like how you kind of just slipped that into kind of had a kid somewhere, whatever. Somewhere not in that there, right? It happens not that sometimes. Deal, but <laughs> yeah, it just happens to people. That's just kind of how kids do. Uh, you know, they just pop up every once in a while. And so, I mean, I, thank you for the story. I always love a good story and understanding kind of where come someone comes from and how they get to where they get to. Because again, it's, it's understanding what you learned from all those stops along the way on, on how to build HR, uh, game day HR, right? And, and what it is. But as you said, you know, you were refereeing, you were co coaching, you were doing a lot of stuff. You also were consulting a little bit along the way too for some major players, right? I, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't know, am I allowed to say the names? Are you allowed to say, can we say the names? How does it work? Yeah, I mean, I was in, I interned for the Pistons in their summer league. Um, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say consulting. I was more of like an internship in the player development field. Um, so cool. And then, and then that same, summer um i really got involved with the mexican pro leagues i had met the president of the league at the nba summer league in las vegas okay. i think he overheard me talking about brandon jennings and you know kind of my analysis of brandon jennings when he was playing that was the year that i was there it was brandon jennings and blake griffin oh, um, wow. were, were the two bigger ones yeah and he, you know, asked, he didn't really speak English, to be honest. And so his wife was like interpreting. Um, and I spoke Spanish, but not, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. I never had to speak Spanish from a basketball standpoint. Like I could do, I could speak Spanish from business. And I can do that. But basketball, I didn't, I never mm -hmm. had to use it. And so, you know, we started talking and then I really, I mean, I got involved with like matching players with teams. Okay. And helping them kind of negotiate their contracts. And, but Mexico was just at, for that league, it was just a mess. Like you didn't, some of these players, you didn't know if you were going to get paid. I didn't know if I was going to get paid. And then it comes down to like, is a cartel going to kill me? Cause some of them own like some of the teams. And so it was just really dangerous. I was 21 yeah. at the time. Um, so I didn't know any better. Right. It was just arrogant. Um, and so at some point, like it just, it didn't, it stopped working. And so I came home, you know, came back to the United States and kind of pursued coaching and all mm -hmm. of that instead. 
Okay, very cool. So that was a little bit beforehand. So man, we just kind of like Quentin Tarantino this thing. We went all over the place, but I do like that. And I think it is important, right? Like, as you said, at 21, kind of learning that aspect of it and seeing and uh, the confidence I'm sure that comes with saying like, hey, I worked for a professional basketball league and helped negotiate contracts in whatever shape or form they were. Hopefully you got paid and it sounds like you did. So that's great. But pretty damn cool. sometimes. Like, yeah, sometimes. Exactly. But you got into some other stuff, too. So let's talk about game day HR, I guess. As you said, it, it got everything just got a little too much. You just had a little too much stuff on your plate. So you needed to kind of take a step back and understand and and, and work more on the business side of your life and, and really make sure that that was down, clamped, good to go. What was it about HR that made you say like, yeah, I, I want to start an HR company. This is going to be, you know, basketball and HR. They just go hand in hand. Why would I not want to do this? Well, listen, if I'm being frank with you, it was I gave up. Oh, that was no. yeah, that that was like, you know, looking back because everything mm. I do even now with game day, it all leads back to basketball at some mm. point. It's always I'm always trying to find that path back. And so I actually, you know, when Kobe Bryant um, passed away, I was I think the day it was the day after early in the morning, I woke up and I just wrote this like letter about that. And. I realized, you know, just like my love affair with basketball, like I had given up on it. You know, I was coaching and then I, I, a part of me felt like I was not, I was never a stellar player. And so I was never going to be able to be a stellar coach. And so I quit officiating, same thing. Like how good can I possibly get? So I quit. I was always quitting. Um, I just happened to fall into HR, right? You don't have these like dreams as a child too. Yeah. To be wow, I can't wait to de-escalate. That <laughs> yes, it's going to be awesome. Exactly. Um, I yeah, benefits administration. Ooh, really gets me ooh. going. Um, so good morning, Katrina. <laughs> All right. So I um, I I think for me, I fell into it, and then I just activated like the basketball part in order to be good at HR, it was the coaching. It really was just came down to like the coaching and the game management, all these skills that I had learned with different personalities, managing a big, you know, a large team, managing a game, you know, diffusing situations, like all of that played into my role in HR. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, game date for me, it was, I started, I, I, de I decided to go independent um, a couple of years and I started this company and I just realized everything I was doing and coaching and everything I learned in basketball I was utilizing as a business owner, as an HR consultant. And so game day was just so fitting because I felt like, you know, our motto is every day is game day. And I, that's how I approach the day. That's how athletes, for the most part, approach the day, even though there's not a game that day, it's practice. And are they going to get better that practice? Um, coaches, how are they going to get mm -hmm. their team better? I feel like in sports, this is this is the motto or the ethos that we live by is how do we get better today, even if it's just like a tiny little bit, you know? Um, and so the, that approach is what we use when we consult with our clients and the organizations that we consult with is it's the same philosophies, one team, one mission, you know, putting your ego aside, focusing on the goal, you know, attacking one day at a time trying to find ways to get your the best performance out of every single player. And in this case, every single employee, it's not a blanketed, you know, con consultation. It's each individual requires something a little bit different and understanding that and being okay with that. 
And I think it's great that you were able to realize everything that you learned from basketball and and playing and coaching and officiating and and going over, not overseas, going across the border to learn and understand, right? No see. Learning all of those and taking all that information and being able to say like, okay, well, I can utilize everything that I love about this sport and everything that I'm good at with this sport into a business. And it was HR, it just happened to be. And as you said, you could use diffusing situations, um, uh, benefits. I'm sure that has something to do with basketball, right? Cost basis and not, no, I'm kidding. But where, <laughs> I guess, at what point along the way, like, as you said, you kind of quit everything else. I'm sure there was a million and, and still are a million times where you're just like, I don't want to really do this anymore. This is, you know, it's really easy to walk away from something. Believe me, I'm a quitter too. So like, I'm totally on board with that. It's super easy to do that. Why? And how have you been able to stick out the last four plus years at, at Game Day HR where you've seen in other spots in your life that you've kind of just been like, how good can I really get? Like, how good can you really get at HR, I guess? I mean, it's so funny you say that because um, when I was younger, I always I mean, I have it written down. I wanted to be the first uh, female NBA head coach. And. I started seeing, you know, a few years ago, it was uh, Becky, Becky Hammond. Hammond. Yeah. yeah. And I saw like what she was doing and what she was accomplishing. I'm just like, that could have been me had I not given up. You know, that could have totally been me. And and God bless her. And I'm so proud of her and everything that she's doing and everything she's accomplished. Um, but I realized that my problem was just my own belief in myself. Um you know, I think when you look at when you get stuck in like certain mindsets, right, you're not really looking at a lot of factual information, right? This like your mind is like this little tiny asshole inside your head that is like telling you terrible things. And that if it were like another person, you totally beat them up mm -hmm. um, and you would not be friends with them. And so for me, when I started um, Game Day HR, it was not letting that happen to me again. You know, not not only was it Becky Hammond, but it was also um, a friend of mine, Christina Sparza. She referees in the G League now. Her and I came into refereeing the same year. And even though I had a, a kid and obviously there are complications or challenges that come with being a parent and trying to go to camps every summer mm -hmm. and doing all the traveling all the time, um, you know, seeing her success, it just made me realize it's I'm just giving up. You know, that's the, the reason why I'm not making it is because I'm just giving up. That's the only thing. And so I just with game day, I, I wasn't going to do it again. I changed my perception of myself. I changed my, you know, limiting beliefs. And still to this day, I of course, I have moments, right, you know, where I feel like, am I, is this the right thing for me? Am I mm -hmm. doing this right? Like, who am I? Imposter syndrome. And, you know, how am I on this show? Like, you know, you start asking yourselves these questions. Um, and then you just silence the voice, right? You kind of kick it in the butt and realize it's not you. You aren't your thoughts and you keep going. And so I refuse to quit again. And I I know it sounds silly and cheesy and probably cliche, but the death of Kobe Bryant affected me on such a deep level. Um, you know, he was my favorite player when he was drafted. It was, it was about the time I really started to understand basketball. Um, I, I was 10, I think, around mm -hmm. the time. And, you know, he, I, I loved Brandy and he like dated her for like a short period of time. Okay. And, and so I, there we go. Yeah, I just, you know, he was just always so relevant. He's my favorite player. I've had, you know, when I'm running on the treadmill, I used to have like dreams of having a business with him or a partnership. 
And so him passing just, it woke me up and it made me realize um, life is short. And I'm sure there are many times that he felt like, who is he and how is he, you know, doing all of these things and why is he considered one of the best players to ever play? And I just didn't want to do that. I kind of, I wanted to be like black Mamba, you know, and keep pushing through, even if I have like an Achilles injury or even if, you know, I am, I have a broken finger. I just, um, if he could do it, I feel like anybody can do it. Mamba mentality. That's what it comes down to, right? That's why they say it. And and it's not a, it's not a cliche to say it either. It really does come down. As you said, sometimes your mind, your, your, your own self, your subconscious, your conscious gets in the way of what you're trying to accomplish, which is really silly because you're trying to accomplish it. Right. So like, there's this whole like meta, like deep understanding and non-understanding, I guess. And, and once you can, you know, I believe self-awareness and, and awareness really is, is a superpower. And it's one of those superpowers mm-hmm. that you can actually practice and get better at. You usually don't get that. You can fly, you can fly. Right. But if you can get awareness and self-awareness and understand who you are and really what you're trying to do, being able to catch yourself in those negative thoughts and saying those negative things, if you can catch yourself and I've practiced this and I've gotten better at it and still getting better at it, you can catch yourself saying those negative things. You can stop. Okay. Say that's not true. And then say something positive and then move on those train tracks. Right. And rather than continuing to go down that awful, awful path of I'm not good enough. I'll never be able to do this. Why me? Like I'm not deserving. It's like, well, why the hell not? Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think one of the, uh, there's always a project, right, that you're working on to try to overcome that. And one of my, you know, things right now that I'm trying to overcome is personal branding. Mm. You know, there's, there's, oh, you need a person. Whoa, are you on this (laughs) show right now? Help with your own. No way. All right. Keep going. Never mind. I'm just using you. I don't want to, I don't want to let, I don't want to pull the curtain. Like, we're good. We're good. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, David Meltzer, we both know him. Um, You know, he's, telling me like you need a personal brand you need to grow your social media and i'm just like why why does why why you know why does nobody cares what i'm doing nobody you know wants to know about me you know nobody like who cares and that's my mind right in my in my head you know at the when you look at the facts it's people actually do take my advice right people actually Mm -hmm. do laugh at the things that i say people do find some of the things entertaining like those are the facts but in my head i'm just feel like why, you know, why me? Why does anybody care? But even if one person cares, that matters, you know? And at the end of the day, I love sharing. Um, That's what consulting is, right? You're sharing strategies, you're sharing knowledge, you're helping organizations or people or whatever kind of consulting you do. And so I'm I'm overcoming that at this point. Um, One of my New Year's resolutions is to share more on social media without like compromising my safety or anything like that. Um, I don't know. You never know. No, like, I mean, it's, find it's out just, where you live. Oh, well that <laughs> I, I was going to, well, there's that aspect of it, but there's also like, it's the, um, I guess we'll say the privilege that I have and, and not to sound like an ass at all, but like, I've never felt uncomfortable walking down the street cause I'm a guy, right? Like that's just kind of, mm-hmm. I, I, I realize I kind of have to stop and, you know, take accountability and, and understand other people's, points of view because yeah the internet's a terrible place um and if you're a woman it's a worse place and let's throw on top a woman trying to talk about sports like oh Mm -hmm. wow have some fun with that katrina so i'll do everything i can but i cannot protect you from anybody out there because they're awful people they're gonna come for you no matter what but you gotta do it i'll uh how about i'll take that new year's resolution with you how's that sound we'll both just share more on social media yeah you have to okay share your breakfast every morning i don't eat breakfast 
I do have yeah. omelets around like 11 in the morning, though. That's breakfast. I, I Your first meal. It, I consider it. Well, then I never have dinner. Hmm. Whoa. Whoa. We need, we need to figure this out. This is Whoa. like a conundrum. I don't think we should figure so, it out now. Bad radio. We should ask the audience. We should ask the audience. Ask like, the audience. If you have an omelet at 11 a.m., is it still breakfast? No. <laughs> there, I answered it for you. I um, feel like you just want to be a part of the No Breakfast Club, Michael. No, I just don't. I don't like, I don't know. Breakfast is, I just, I'm not that hungry. I drink my coffee. I, I drink my water. And then I drink more water. And then around like 1030, I'm hungry. So then 11, I eat. I don't okay. know. I don't think it's that crazy. It's not. Don't judge me, Katrina. I'm. Don't I don't me. judge. I do. Seems judge. Like you seem a little judgy. I'm very judgmental. Seems actually, a little judgy. Um. <laughs> so with game day HR, how were you able to over? I think you've been doing this four plus years now. The growth mm -hmm. of your company. How were you able to go out and find the right clients? It's called game day HR, right? Which sounds pretty sports centric, but you're not like totally just dealing with sports companies, right? You, oh, no. you mm -hmm. consult with anybody. Yeah, I mean, so when I first went independent, I had um, I had a full book of business already. I had pitched my services to my employer at the time, and they signed on, um, which is which proves that That's you know, cool. yeah, I mean, I did great work when I was with them, and it they didn't want to lose me. They wanted to keep me on their team, and so. Um, I had a full book of business. I had like them. And then there were some other portfolio companies that I was working with. And two of them went through some pretty big equity transactions. One of them had a huge private equity funding where I was helping recruiting, you know, key management personnel. And then uh, the other one went through a 40% exit. It was about $18 million for it. And so I had to ramp everything up. They had only been in business for two and a half years. And wow. so I had to ramp everything up and build that infrastructure and make sure that their paperwork was all in place. And honestly, it was work that I didn't really care to do. Like, I don't, I'm not, the value for me is not paperwork. Mm -hmm. However, yeah. with the, the, for me, the value was like helping them get the money that they were looking for in order to continue to grow. So that's what I was really focused on was this like wedding day for this mm -hmm. organization. And so I put everything together. I, you know, when I don't know if your audience or you familiar, but when you go through an equity transaction, there's a process called the due diligence process. And what, ha what they do is the buyer or the potential investor, um, they send their lawyers basically. And they look at everything, not just the numbers, accounting, but they also look at employee liability, which I don't think a lot of startup organizations understand. And so what I was there for was to make sure the employee liability was was little minimized or zero, because if they see, okay, the likelihood of this organization being sued is very high, they will lower the valuation or their offer mm -hmm. because they're worried they're yeah. going to have to pay out settlements. Um, so I did that. That took about, that was like a nine month you know, process. Wow. And when I came out of it, um, it was tremendous. It was a great feeling. All like these publications happened. And I just felt like, wow, that was like, I was a part of that. I got to be a part of that team. And I really marketed myself in that space. It was a very uh, niche space, you know, to be an HR consultant for specifically, you know, high growth, mm -hmm. exiting or capital raising businesses. But there wasn't a lot of HR, you know, consultants who, understood business and numbers to that extent. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, I knew how to, you know, I can read a PNL, I, I can read a balance sheet and interpret it. I knew cost versus budget. And I learned that from my former employer who every time I wanted to do something, he was like, show me the numbers. 
I'm like, how do I just show me the numbers, figure it out, go get three quotes. And like, he was just very analytical and that helped me as an HR mm-hmm. professional, because most of the time you're not really analytical, right? You, you push paper and you're like kind of babysitters to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And so he really pushed me. He challenged me to understand business from a numbers perspective. And that was the benefit of, of reporting to a CEO directly. And so I grew the business based off of, you know, I'm a CEO, you're a CEO, and I understand what you're going through. I know what how costly these decisions can be. And so it wasn't necessarily an HR person talking to them, but it was a fellow entrepreneur or fellow business owner. And I think that really helped us grow. That is pretty darn cool. And it clearly worked. Uh, you're still in business. Number one rule of business. What is it? Same, same business. business. Yay. Both of the same gospel. Um, and I think that part is really important. And especially, you know, in times of, I guess we could call it a global pandemic. Um, now that's the joke I'll leave aside. But <laughs> you know, that in times of global pandemics, like things get a little crazy, they get a little wacky. So uh, you know, kudos, congratulations to you for not only staying in business but continuing to thrive there, and and realizing that there's other things that you can do to thrive even more. Right? Again, our good friend David Meltzer, he's been on this show. He's on our SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio show that we do every Saturday at 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. There's a segment with David Meltzer talking about, you know, Coach's Corner. What is he doing? How is he doing it? Being a former CEO of Lee Steinberg, clearly the guy has connections and knows what he's doing. So it is a lot of fun. Uh, so he's a he's a big part of it over here. Jason and I are very big good friends with him and have been for a while. And you know, utilizing that mindset and what he teaches, I think is very important because it's made me more successful, Jason more successful, clearly you more successful and being able to do that. So if he says, hey, put yourself on social media a little bit more, it's probably a good reason to do it. Share your content, share your life, share your story a little bit more because people can resonate with it. It's one at a time, but eventually it turns into that exponential scale where it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And clearly one thing that you're doing, A, you're putting yourself out over here, which is awesome. And we appreciate that. Excited to talk more NBA with you moving forward throughout mm-hmm. the season. But I do want to talk about your podcast and, and your live show. Um, HR sucks. True. So I like True. the name says it all. <laughs> um, what exactly do you talk about on HR sucks? Is it just about how much HR sucks and why everybody should use you uh, as their consultant? No, I, we actually don't really market um, ourselves on the podcast. I mean, we we just started adding like this episode is sponsored by mm-hmm. you know, Game Day HR, but that was literally maybe the last episode that we Love put it. that on. Um, we actually talk more. Well, number one, HR sucks. The title in itself is like the Instagram picture. I would say that say females, for example, is like they're showing like their butt and and right. they get your attention. And then the mm-hmm. caption is like some deep, vulnerable. Oh, caption. yeah. Those are awesome. Those yeah, are, sh- they make me laugh. No, tell, no. tell me what your last dream was about. No. Yeah. <laughs> now that I have your attention, right? That's the HR sucks. I see. Yeah. We copied it, we used it. Right. And so HR sucks, I think, just universally gets everybody's attention, right? If the podcast was called, you know, HR strategies, you sure as heck were not going to, you're not going to uh, care. I'm not gonna listen and to so it. HR sucks. You're like, what is that? Like, that's a conversation starter. So what we talk about is we do talk about, you know, philosophies um, that have hindered organizations in terms of HR. For example, um, the one I always use or go back to is HR can't be friends with anybody um, philosophy, which has, you know, been a detriment to the department altogether. So we, we, number one, we kind of do like a myth buster, um, and then we have conversations about mindset. I had Michael Cooper on the show. I had Meta World Peace on the show. Um, 
Yeah, we talked about, you know, just the coaches that they had, because I do think that leadership people in a leadership role in the organization can utilize those strategies. Um, so, you know, we talked about Pat Riley. We talked about Phil Jackson. Love him. Um, and Meta World Peace, right? He was a perfect example. He's the worst employee you could ever have, like, on a basketball team. Yeah, he <laughs> so, wasn't great for a while, yeah. Like, unpredictable. You know, he, he has some, like, emotions. And so I was so curious of, like, Phil Jackson made you a champion. I want to know how. What did he do? You know, how did he let you bloom? Like, how did he kind of stimulate this growth for you kind of at the end of your NBA mm -hmm. career, basically? And so, you know, we, we it's really the whole human what we're focusing on. This isn't just HR strategies. It, this is like getting the best performance at whether you're an employee, whether you're a leader, how to lead an organization, um, you know, talking about certain news like that. Are they fake news and culture myths. I mean, we talk about it all on there. We had Dave, David is actually, um, he was on there last week, which we will publish this Friday. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, he has this audacious goal of helping or empowering 1 billion people. So we're talking like how mathematically, how do you plan to do that? You know, and, and it was great. I mean, I think people listening, they're, they're getting David in his like environment, you know, mm -hmm. kind of how he speaks and what he speaks about. And they're getting coaching that, you know, a lot of people pay for for free. Pay for. Yeah, that's <laughs> not bad. That's not bad. And I think it is important, right? Like for, as you said, for the employees, for the leaders, like how, how do you lead? And as an employee, like, how do you follow? I think knowing how to follow is actually kind of important too, because if you're not following correctly, you're not still all working towards the same goal. You're kind of working in different ways. Maybe to try and get to the same goal, but not working in the same way, which I think is important. And it sounds like going through all of that and, and, and having some uh, eye catching, it, having an eye catching name, but then also eye catching um, guests on the show as well. Meta World Peace. That's a pretty, pretty big one. Uh, David Meltzer, obviously we all love him. So I think that is pretty darn cool. So kudos and congratulations for that. That sounds absolutely fantastic. And where we can just find that wherever, um, on the internet. Yeah. Apple podcast, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, it's on the major ones. It's also hrsuckspodcast.com. All of the episodes are up on there. And then our live show is every Thursday at 12 PM Pacific. Um, and you know, we, we, they're more casual conversations. We talk, we take some polls at the beginning of the week. We talk about the results. We're eating lunch and, um, just having the conversations that I think a lot of, of HR professionals or even organizations aren't having about politics and, um, the do's and the don'ts. And we're just trying to bridge those communication gaps, you know, and we, we, <laughs> Some of my podcast episodes are like, if you're a business owner or the leader, like you want your employees to hear this because mm -hmm. we have like some funny videos up there of like why your coworkers don't like you um, and kind of poking fun at like the gossipers or, you know, the people who aren't really direct with their communication. And so it, it's kind of helpful for whoever, whether you're an employee, a, a business owner, a CEO, it's, I, I feel like there's value there. I love it. And so you're going to send me a link to that page, correct? So that I can share with everybody. Yeah. Wow. Let's give you whatever you want with a mustache like that. With a mustache like That's this. You'll get it. Honestly, Katrina, it took you 35 minutes to bring it up. So I am a little disappointed, but at least you brought it up at some point. So I do want to say from me to you and everybody over here. Thank you. We appreciate it. People tell you you look like one of the Marx brothers. The Marx brothers? Groucho? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the glasses. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I get it all the time. I kind of lean into it now. I like it. I'm, I'm cool with it. I have like the thickest eyebrows you'll ever see. And that's with my wife kind of 
trimming them back a little bit. So yeah, it's, uh, uh, I'm Armenian, so I'm with I'm like born with a unibrow. I totally understand. Oh, rock and roll. Yeah, nice. Brothers in arms. I love that. Um, a legend, though. You keep rocking it. Say it again. Bracho is a legend. He's still yeah. relevant even today. Uh, relevant enough. Relevant enough. I'm bringing him back. I'm giving <laughs> him. I'm giving him the the credit he deserves. I'm going to say that. So you're doing a lot with the podcast. Doing a lot with the live show. It sounds like a lot of fun. I now know where and how to tune in, and so does everybody else. And the notes, check those on YouTube or in the podcast, so you'll be able to see that. That's fantastic. But I do. Last thing I want to talk about. So also the the social media, we're going to get all your links and everything. So that way, you know, people can pay, pay attention a little bit more what you're doing. I think that would be great. Also, it's super easy if you don't like just take clips of all the videos and put that up on social media. So it's like kind of a cop out, but it still helps. It still does stuff. Whatever makes David happy, you know, like if yeah. I don't have 100,000 followers, I think he's going to drop me. So. Oh, no. But is there, out. he we'll doesn't put time frames on anything. So like. Like you, I like how you say that. And I know him a little bit better. I, I know him uh, enough. And so I know that there's no time like limit on that. So don't pull the curtain on me. Okay. Just let yeah. it be. Okay. Let it I'm be. This is my sell strategy. All right. I love it. Let's get Katrina to 100,000 followers. I, I don't know which. Right now. <laughs> we're well on our way. And I think that's the important part. So we'll get there. We will get there. But you need more followers and you need more people to listen to the podcast so that you can increase sponsorship. So that way you can go and buy an NBA franchise. So now I have to ask, you want to own an NBA franchise. You did have written down, which I really love. You want to be the first female referee in the NBA, uh, which is pretty damn cool. Coach. Head, head coach. coach. I apologize. I apologize. I thought you said referee. So you want to be the first female head coach in the N uh, NBA, which would have been hella cool. Mm -hmm. Seems like that's probably not going to happen right now. So why not just go to the top? Just go buy an NBA franchise. Um, I hear they're worth a couple dollars, you know, yeah. with a B. One of those dollars has a B in front of it. Um, how the hell are you going to be one of the first? Well, I guess you're not one of the first female owners. There's other female owners. But how are you going to own an NBA franchise or at least be part owner to an NBA franchise? Yeah, I mean, I of course, I would love to have $2 billion to spend on a franchise. But obviously, hey. I would probably... I'm a Mets fan and Steve Cohen has $14 billion. So just putting That's it out nuts. there. Just saying. Just saying. Anyway, please continue. Go to be NBA for me. Um, so obviously I would probably partner with some bigger investment mm -hmm. groups. Um, so I'm not putting all of my money into it. But yeah, I mean, even now I'm having conversations with groups that are interested in buying an NBA team. Um, and so the conversation's already started. It's just a matter of you know, obviously when they're ready to pull the trigger and when a team comes up, that's, you know, a good deal. I know the Timberwolves uh, just recently mm -hmm. went through a sale um, and then might be also having some minority raises, some minority ownership raises. So I'm, I'm in there, I'm learning, I'm figuring out like who's interested and what teams are going to be sell, even predicting which teams might come up for sale based off of, you know, how old the current owners are and how long they've had the team and what the team, you know, uh, organization looks like. So I think ideally I would probably partner with a big investment group. Um, and I would, you know, negotiate making myself the VP of basketball operations for shits and giggles. Why not? I mean, at that point, you might as well, right? <laughs> if you're, <laughs> you're going to be the owner, you might as well just, hey, guys, just let me be the vice president of operations. Exactly. I like that. I like that a lot. And so this is well on its way. How how do you get into these circles? How do you find these people? How do you know or or how do you find out who to talk to? Because I feel like that part is 
just as hard as coming up with the money, right? Like everybody can make money doing something. The internet exists, guys. You can literally do anything and make money now. But how do you find out who are the right people to talk to and 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 find out how to get into those groups? Because I feel like that's kind of like an old boys club, right? Like those guys <laughs> and girls know each other and they only know each other for a specific reason. How do you kind of wiggle yourself into there? Yeah, I mean, it, it comes in different directions. I think having clients that go through capital raises and 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 transactions, I get to meet a lot of investment groups, whether they're private equity, angel investors, or you know, venture capital groups. Um, I, you know, I have a pretty good network of basketball professionals, whether they were athletes or coaches. I'm just always open to having a conversation with anybody and learning, like, what is their dream? What do they want to do? What do they want to accomplish? Can I? Am I going to be a part of that? How can I help them do that? Um, I'm just not afraid. And this kind of goes back to how I even met Joe Dumars um, and started and started to have a friendship with him, which eventually led to me being able to do some stuff with the Pistons. Um, I didn't even know who he was when I met him physically, like in mm -hmm. person. He wasn't my a part of my generation of players. Um, we went to a Laker game. It was Lakers and the Pistons. A coworker of mine had said, "Like, hey, we got I got some post game passes from a friend, who like they played in college or rec. I'm not really sure to be honest. And so we go down there, and I, you know, I meet this the guy who gives us our post game passes. I'm like, thank you so much. And then he's kind of standing on his own while everybody else is talking to the players. Like Iverson was on the team, Billups, um, I think Lamar Odom was coming out from the Lakers. So they're all busy talking to the players. I was fine, you know." I didn't, I said hi or whatever. I didn't, I'm not really into autographs or things like that. And so I'm like, how sad this guy like gave us these passes and nobody's like talking to him. And so I go up to him and I'm like, Hey, so like, what do you do? <laughs> he's, he's like, Oh, I'm in, you know, operations. Nice. I'm like, Great. No clue what that is. Sure. Um, I was thinking like logistics, you know, he gets like the buses all in order mm -hmm. or whatever. And so I'm like talking to him and he's like, what do you do? And I'm telling him I was working at a bank at the time and and um, he was like, what do you want to achieve? And this is where I learned to have this conversation with other people. And I was like, I would love to have my own community center one day. At the time, I hadn't realized I wanted to buy an NBA team. Um, but I wanted to have my own community center, like a YMCA or Boys and Girls Club, but something that I got to run. And so he was like, oh, I have, you know, I'm a part of two of them in Detroit. I was like, that's cool. And so he gave me his card and I saw his name, but did, still didn't really know, like, what who he was in terms of historical and um he took my phone number and that was like i was walking away and one of the guys was like did you just give him your phone number and i'm like yeah he was a really nice guy you know and i think it was thanksgiving so this was probably early of the season around thanksgiving i don't know if you remember the phones like before to send a group message it would send it to everybody in your contacts yes, those were awesome okay so i did like a thank happy thanksgiving one and and he replied. You sent, you sent Joe Dumar a mass Thanksgiving text message. And he uh, he replied, and he was like, you know, what are you and your family up to? And I was like, man, this guy is really nice, you know. And so I was, I, I was telling my dad, and he was like, who are you texting? I was like, oh, I I met him at the Laker game, Joe Dumars. He was like, what? Oh my god. And I was like, yeah, do you know him? And he was like, what do you mean do I know him? And so, you know, we pull up the Google and we're like researching and I'm like, holy crap. He was like, he's not in operations. He's mm -hmm. the president of operations. Yeah. And so it just completely 
changed my whole perception. But I mean, to a certain extent, at some point it was like, he's just a, a, ma- a nice man who loves basketball. Like that's mm-hmm. really just what I saw him as. Um, and so that mentality of at some point he was like, we're going to be back. We're playing the Clippers. I left you some tickets, bring your friends. We went, he, we picked him up from his hotel. We, he took us all to dinner. I went to Chicago and watched the Lakers and, and the bulls and then the Pistons and the bulls. I took a train to Detroit. He picked me up, me and my, I took a friend who I was coaching with at the time. Uh, he picked us up. He took us to the community centers. I mean, we got like the royal treatment, right? Joe Dumars was driving us, like picking us up in his like Range Rover, taking us to these places, to these games where we had like security. Aretha Franklin was there. It was nuts, right? I was like 21 at the time, 22 years old. And um, I think from that point on, I realized like no one is too big to have a conversation with. They're all humans. Mm-hmm. You know, every it doesn't matter like who you are or what you've accomplished. Um, you're, you're human. And I'm just going to have a human conversation with anybody who's willing to have that conversation. And so when I talk to these investment groups or these people who are billionaires, millionaires, billionaires, whatever, I don't look at them for that. I just want to know, like, OK, in my head, I'm curious, like, OK, so you have all of this success. What next? Like, what are you going to do next? What are your dream goals? I just want to know. And I think having that very human conversation um, connects us, right? We, If we have similar values, it doesn't matter what you do. We, we're always going to connect in that way. And so that's kind of wiggling my way in there. I try to make them laugh too. That's mm, always that fun. That, that, that always helps. That always helps. That is another awesome story, though. I mean, I think it's it is it's so true, right? Like I've met a, a couple famous people in my life, and if you just be like, "Hey, what's up? Like, how's it going?" and mm-hmm. and not like fanboy fangirl around them, they're usually pretty cool. You can have an easy conversation. You could talk to them. They're just people, man. They're just people. Now, obviously, some are dickheads, but most are like actually like pretty nice people. And it seems like Joe Dumar, Juju Mars, is a very nice person. So, moral of the story, kids send out group um send out mass group happy thanksgiving messages i think is that, uh, is only, that crazy only good things can happen only good things can happen well kudos and congratulations katrina you are very clearly well on your way to owning an nba franchise being a part owner and then eventually making enough money by being the vice president of operations to then be able to own the whole darn thing so i'm very excited to say i remember when man i remember when but katrina where um where can everybody find you online in case they want to follow along in this journey to watch you become an MBA owner? Uh, you can witness my shenanigans on Instagram at Kat Gazarian. Um, honestly, I'm the only Katrina Gazarian in the world. So even if you just Google my name, really? uh, I'll, yeah, yeah. Wow. Isn't, that, isn't that special? That's like That's crazy. Me, pretty special. Um, so, I mean, just Google my full name and you'll see, probably see most of my profiles popping up. Our website for HR is www.gamedayhr. Um, but that's not what this is for, y'all. I need you to go to my Instagram, click follow. And then after I hit 100,000, you can just unfollow me after that. I just want to make David Meltzer happy. Is that all it takes? Just, just that's literally it? <laughs> I don't know. Is it? I don't know. Do you know anything about personal branding? Because I don't. Um, No. I feel no, like he's not gonna, very good I, at it. I feel like David's going to see my stuff and be like, you know what? Let's just like move on to something else. <laughs> oh, you're followed by David Meltzer. And now you're followed by Michael Raziel. Huh? Oh, see, I got one. Only, um, only, only yeah. 99,000 to go. Not too shabby. Um, cool. Just scrolling through, scrolling through. I see some dog pics. That's nice. Um, some nice quote 
quote boxes. I tried. That's when you see I'm like really trying to be like influential. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It doesn't feel good. You know, I read it and I'm like, that's just not me. Yeah, man. Be you. Be yeah. you. I think somebody said that once. Um, yeah. And there's some kids. Well, you talked. You said you had a kid. Yeah. She looks nice. I can't. She's a terrible person. Good. As they all are. They're children. Of course, they're terrible. Um, Katrina, this has been absolutely fantastic. I'm excited to do this a lot more with you with the NBA season coming up. Maybe maybe we can kind of create something a little different. Look at it, NBA from the business side. Maybe we get some of your hot takes. What's going on? Seems like you got some insider information. Not trying to break news or anything, but you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, don't know. Mm-hmm. I think we could do something. That sounds like fun. I predicted in February that the Lakers were going to win. Okay. Well, and it wasn't because of, you know, blind loyalty. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, I knew that they were, they had something bigger to play for. Yep. Yeah. The Kobe, Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Um, hate, hate, hate to burst your bubble, but like you and like a million other people, uh, thought that too. RIP Kobe loved him, thought he was cool and everything, but like, I need proof. I have proof that I, I predicted it. I need proof. If that's there's true. No you proof, do right every it. single morning. That's true. Yeah. So, true. I don't know. I love it. I love it. Well, you can follow her at Kat Gazarian, K-A-T, um, and then a bunch of letters after that. You can follow me at Michael Raziel one You can follow us at Win Daily Sports. Your last name is not that easy either. Oh, but yeah, there's no Zs and there's no silent. Is it Rasile? You know, like that's, that's close enough. But at least you can like figure out how it's spelled if you say Rasile. No, like, for really sure. Like, crazy, I know? didn't learn how to spell my own last name until I was like twelve, probably. It's the GH and then you throw a Z in there. Like, there's uh-huh. an IA. Yeah, it's just crazy. It's just too much. It's just too much. <laughs> but kudos to you for figuring it out along the way. Really learning how to spell your name. Huge accomplishment, Katrina. It's big. So it was big. Make sure to follow all of us in some capacity wherever. Nobody cares how, but Katrina's trying to get to 100K. We're going to do our best to do that. So I will also have all the links uh, for your podcast, for your LinkedIn, for your website, yada, yada, yada. Um, And I'll only have those because you sent them to me already or you will be sending them to me soon. We appreciate you for that. So for Katrina, for myself, for everybody on the Wendelli Sports family, we hope you make it a very profitable, what's today? Wednesday. Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Bye. Happy Wednesday. Goodbye.